All right, I want to thank everybody for joining us again for another episode of the Servant Leader Coaches Bible Study. I'm Coach Chelsea, and I'm super excited about today's conversation because today we have Servant Leader Coach Jeremy Hawkins, defensive line coach at Eastern Kentucky University with us. We've been chatting for a while, guys. I had scheduled this once before. Things kind of got in the way, but one thing that I do learn is things work in God's appointed time, and that appointed time is right now in this hour. So, Coach, I want to thank you for being here. Uh, I know time is that important thing that you really, once you give it, you can't give it back. So thank you so much for joining us. And I'm going to go ahead and pass the torch to you so you can just kind of say hello and introduce yourself to our listeners and we'll get this conversation started. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Um, it's, it's a blessing to be on today. Um, you know, so I'm, like you said, I'm Jeremy Hawkins. I'm D-line coach here at East Kentucky University. Um, and for myself, um, this podcast, this this episode of it is is more so just about my life and how I, you know, kind of, you know, went through life and, and this journey and, it, and it's taken me to all my places that I've been to help these young men to become man in this world that we live in today. And it's a difficult one. So, you know, I, I went through some things and hopefully, you know, all my tests that I went through and, and to tell my testimony is going to help somebody out in, in the near future. And you said something that that is perfect. And I remind people of all the time because those tests are for our testimonies. Our mess is for our message. Now, while we're in it, it doesn't seem that way, right? No while we're in it, it definitely <laughs> doesn't seem that way. No doubt. <laughs> but I'm thankful for those moments because they do help us to enrich and make these young men and young women better. So coach, you know, talk to us a little bit about your coaching journey that led you up to East Eastern Kentucky. Talk to us about your coaching journey. So I, I played my football at Troy University in Alabama. Um, after I finished playing, I did some arena ball, some CFL stuff, you know, wasn't good enough, injuries and everything else that came along with it. So I, you know, got an opportunity to, you know, get into a, a youth detention center. So my coaching started before I actually got on the football field to coach, you know, anybody. It, it came at a youth detention center where it was a very tough job for myself. It was uh, something I didn't want to do. I found that out after about a good six months of it. So I got in contact with my old coach from Montreux, Coach Blakeney. You know, shout out to him. I appreciate him for letting me get in this business. Um, he allowed me to come in and be a GA. I did it for for an off season. Um, so um, after that, after that off season, it, it was you know. You know, we got it rolling at the University of Central Oklahoma, which, you know, I had no clue about anything in Oklahoma, had no clue about anything. I, I was just kind of, I was out there and I was trying to, you know, get my name out there a little bit and, and, and just do something that was outside the box. And, and it was definitely outside the box for me. So I'm a D-line coach. I played D-line at Troy and I was going to coach running backs and tight ends at the University of Central Oklahoma. So you're talking about a leap of faith? That's true, a leap of faith, because um, I had no clue what I was doing and how I was going to do it, but I just knew I had a job and I knew I wanted to be in this coaching profession. So that led me to have a All-American running back, an all-conference tight end. The tight end ended up going to the NFL, played four or five years in the NFL, and he was a long snapper too, so it helped him out. Um, I, I just had to go there. I didn't, I didn't mess it up, so... Um, that, that kind of got me into the coaching part of it. And, you know, so I'm from South Georgia myself. And so after being there for a year and, you know, it was good and all, you know, the college ranks of it. And, you know, I, I just wasn't used to the, to the, to the being a 15 hours worth of my family. You know, I was so young. I was 23 at the time, maybe, yep. I had just turned 23. So I was still trying to get, you know, used to being away from the family that far. You know, I had been away for, you know, college, two or three hours. I can deal with that. I can drive back and forth. But a 15-hour drive, you can't do that every day. You got to catch flights. And I didn't have the money to catch flights at the time. So um, it was one of those things where um, I got back in Georgia, coached at uh, Dublin High School in Georgia. I did that for two, two years. Um, ended up getting a head coaching job at Middle Georgia State College. Did that for a year, won, won a lot of games there, won nine games. Um, then I got the opportunity. Um, somebody, you know, gave my name to head coach at um, UAB, Coach Clark. 
he gave me the opportunity to take the job there. And that, and that kind of leads to, you know, me taking that job was truly a leap of faith because I, I had a job at, um, as a head coach at Minnesota State College, and I was making pretty good money. Uh, that job at UAB didn't pay anything. It, it was zero, you know, so a, a leap of faith had to be taken. And um, that's something I wanted to do to get my foot in the college ranks and make sure that, you know, I, I, I left my, my print on it. Um, and that's what I did. I, I, I took it and ran with it. You know, he gave me an opportunity. Um, I, I had a two-year-old at the time. And, you know, I, I took that leap of faith and um, I did it. You know, I was homeless for a year. Didn't have any money. I have anything. All, all I had was my faith and my belief that, you know, God was, you know, leading me in the right direction to, to do what I want to do in my career. You know, and I took that leap of faith and I was there. And for a full calendar year, I stayed in the field house. You know, so I got up early and I would shower in the same showers that the players would shower in at the workouts. Um, I stayed in my office at an air mattress. Um, you know, I had some some money saved up to eat, you know, you know, had to eat. So, and um, so, you know, it, it, it had to be done. You know, I felt like it had to be done for my career to take off. So, and that's, you know, this just living by faith and not by sight and just knowing that God had, is in control and he was leading me in the right directions. So it, it, that's, that's how I live my life. And that's that's how I try to live my life every day. And that's how I try to teach my my kids to live, the, live their life, you know, um, you got to go put the, put the work in, you know, you got to plant the seeds, you know, if you don't plant the seeds, then, you know, it's no, no harvest at all. You know, come so on, you plant your seeds and, and you do the work and you do, do what you have to do. Then, you know, um, everything's already been written. And that's kind of what we talked about before I even got on there. You know, your, your, your story has already been written. You're just living it. Um, but just make the right decision. So it won't be so tough on you sometimes you know, because we are, we are human and we, sometimes we create our own problems, you know, and I know a lot of people know what I mean when I say that we create our own problems and everything that we do in life. And I definitely created my own problem by taking the job with no money. So my problem was I didn't have a home <laughs> to live in <laughs> and I had to figure it all out. So that, that's what I did. Um, you know, we ended up being pretty good. We, we, we re- rebuilt the program, uh, had a top 50 recruiting class two years in a row without any, any good facilities. And uh, once we got that done, um, we, we played a season, won eight games, played in a bowl game, um, Bahamas bowl. Uh, we, we, we basically brought that program back from death from ground zero. Um, and my name kind of got out there a little bit in the recruiting ranks of it. Uh, I was director of player personnel and I also was a defensive analyst. Um, so, but at the time when we didn't have a full staff, I was counted as one of the 10 coaches to go on the road recruiting. So I would go out and recruit in Miami and um, we recruit every JUCO. I mean, I'm talking about every JUCO, California, it didn't matter, New York, it didn't matter. We, we recruited nationally and we, you know, we got a team together. And you know, that's, that was another blessing in itself because to bring all those kids from all over the place, I mean, JUCO um, bounce backs from uh, power fives that, had some type of issues, whether it was drugs, whether it was, you know, off the field, any type of off the field issues, we had to kind of get those guys together. Because for one, if we're recruiting them, you know, they're good players, you know, and if they got off the field issues and you got a ton of them that have off the field issues, you got to bring them all together. You creating your own issues. Okay. But at the same time, um, when you have a leader, um, when you're a leader, when you, when you lead your, your 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 unit and your group the right in the right directions, you teach them the right things. Then you know that that leadership shows, and it showed. You know, we won eight games with those kids that every nobody wanted. You know, nobody wanted at JUCO, nobody wanted at Power Five, nobody wanted at G Five. You know, but we got them together, and we showed the people that we can actually play with them. You know, and that's what we did, and that's that's kind of you know the you know, being a servant leader, you know, so uh, that's right. That's, that's what it's about. Um, you know, you teach this kid that was, you know, maybe had a drug issue and you teach him the facts of life and you show him and, and, and you show him how a family looks. You show him, you, you know, you, you holding, holding your daughter, kissing your daughter, or you, you, you with your wife and they actually see that they see it, the family side of it. They see the work you put in, in the office. And then they never know that you were, you're homeless at the time. 
they have no clue. And then after they find that out, like, man, you was living in the field house that whole time? Yeah, I was. Making no money at all. But it gave you every bit of my energy, like I was making $100,000 a year. And, yeah. And, and, and gave you every everything I had in me to make you great. Like I was just a rich person. And I, I was broke and homeless. So, you know, and I, and I, and I say that with conviction because that gave me my drive, you know, being in that field house late at night by myself on an air mattress with a little space heater and it's freezing now some nights. I'm like, man, what am I doing? I'm living by faith, you know, and I kept telling myself that I'm here for a reason. God has me in this position for a reason. God presented this to me for a reason. Um, and it's for me. You know, what, what God has for me is for me and me only. And I, and I, and I, and I tell people that constantly, you know, um, you can't worry about what somebody else's story, somebody else's life, what they're dealing with, what they're going through and the success that they're having, you know, um, all you can control is what, what you can control. And when it comes down to it, your story has already been written and what God has for you is for you and for you only. Don't worry about what God blessed somebody else with, you know. Um, don't worry about what they got. They got it faster than you. They got it younger than you. They were 27 and you're 34. And, you know, you can't be upset with the success of somebody else. I, I look at it like, man, that's great. I'm happy for them. You know, I will get there in God's timing. You know, that's how I look at it. You know, you, you got to live that way. And that's how I try to teach my players, you know, every day, in and out, throughout, classroom, breakfast check, workouts and everything just try to touch their lives man and just have them understand that this life that you live in is short and and and, and if any year didn't teach you that the year 2020 should have taught everybody yes <laughs> literally like this life that we live is short and it seemed like it's kind of gradually going over into 2021 too because there's so many people just are passing that are yeah. young. 39, 53, like young people. The, the age of 53 is not old. Mm-mm. Not, I don't know, people, you know, you, when you get there, you know, you might say something a little different, but <laughs> it's not <really> old, <laughs> you know? So, but I don't want to get off on a tangent, but saying, you know, going to UAB and, and going through that three years of being there helped me set myself up for the LSU job. And I go to LSU as, as assistant director of player personnel you know, all things recruiting and, and basically hands-on and the right-hand man for Coach O, um, the right-hand man for um, for the recruiting coordinator at the time, Sharon Lewis, she put me on and she's a blessing. I learned so much. I learned so much about um, just being real, you know, with people, uh, with Sharon Lewis. She is really good at what she does. And it was a blessing for me to get there and kind of be around that atmosphere, you know, with, with guys of that magnitude um, in the SEC. So um, for myself, I learned a lot. Um, but for myself also, I, I knew that's that's that wasn't the end goal. You know, that wasn't what God had for me. It's 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 hard to explain it sometimes because it's it's within you. You know, um, your conscious yeah, and that 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 desire to 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 be what you feel like God wants you to be. And when you when you're not in that place for myself, when I feel like I'm not there, then I, it's an emptiness. So I feel like, okay, yes, I'm making good money here at LSU. Yes, we're winning. Yes, you know, national championship a year after I left, I could have stayed in one national championship. Yes, I could have did all that, but. I wasn't unhappy, but I wasn't happy either. If that made sense to you. I was in a position where this is a great place. It's a great university. We are winning. We are doing great things, but I'm not coaching football. I'm not, I'm not able to touch the young man like I want to touch him in this role that I'm in. That's what I was missing. I was missing the the, the, the mentoring situations where I could actually go and, you know, after a meeting, hey, hey, stay in, let me holler at you real quick. You know, let me talk to you. How you doing? How your family doing? Mama good? Your sister okay? That type deal. I, I was missing that. You know, I didn't have that connection with my kids anymore. I didn't have a room 
You know, I didn't have a unit. I didn't have, I didn't have, I didn't have a young man to mentor. And I feel like I was put on this earth to mentor a young man to become man because I went through so much, you know, in my past, you know, at a young age, losing my mom at 20 years old in college and, you know, going through that situation and, you know, being mad at God, you know, and, and going back and, and, and just taking six months away from everybody and, you know, refocusing myself on what I need to do in life, you know, stopping all the nonsense, all the extracurricular activities that I didn't need to do, stopped all that and, and just had a renewed intimate relationship with God, you know, and it, and it took me to, you know, different heights. I feel like with him being in my life intimately, you know, I, I wanted him in my life, you know, cried out to him. Sometimes you got to do that. I feel like, you know, we pray sometimes and, you know, and, you know, you know, older generation, they like, you got to hit your knees every time you pray, but I don't see it that way. You know, I'm standing up walking, I'm praying, you know, know, I'm in the shower and I'm praying, you know, so, (laughs) so that's for me. um, Sometimes I feel like, we, uh, you know, in this in this world today, that you know, we we take things for granted, you know. And I truly, 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 and I, you know, to this day, I kind of, you know, I get all kind of emotional about it because I, I feel like I took I took my life for granted with my mom being here and my dad being here because I lost both both my parents, lost my dad dad when I was older at thirty, so. Uh, which was 10 years right after 10 years after my mom. So, you know, losing my mom in college and I was a mama's boy through and through mama's boy, you know, um, Hey, when, when my FAFSA got done, when she did my finance, she did my financial aid. She did all my paperwork and everything for me. When I went home, I couldn't, she wouldn't let me wash my own clothes. You know, I couldn't walk in the house without her having some food in my face, you know, or, or a huge plate to take back or maybe even more than a pot to take back, you know, or, you know, something to that nature. So I was a mama's boy through and through, you know, and, and I was proud of it because, you know, that's, that's my mama, you know, and I, and I was the youngest, you know, so it was a little different for her, I'm sure. Oh, they added the baby boy. (laughs) Ain't no doubt. (laughs) But, um, you know, going through that, losing my mom, you know, it, it helped me become a man. And I know it sound, it might sound a little, you know, I guess unique, weirdish, I guess. Um, but I feel like what I went through with losing my mom helped me become a man. I feel like it was it, everything is for a reason. You know, my mom is not on this earth suffering anymore. You know, she went through a whole eight, 15 years of battling cancer. And, you know, that's something that, you know, I wouldn't wish on anybody to see your mom go through that. You know, I think she had 10 surgeries. You know, from when I was five years old up until when I when, when she passed when I was twenty. Um, so she had ten surgeries, and I seen her go through all the chemo, all the radiation, and losing weight, losing her hair, and and she still had that energy. She still had that. I'm gonna raise my children, and we got five kids. I'm the youngest, five bad kids at that, <laughs> and I'm and I'm the youngest trying to figure it all out. So going through that actually seeing my mom in her, in her deathbed and, and, and watch her pass away um, made me strong. Um, um, I felt like after that, of course, I was upset with God, but I, I, I of course, you know, I rekindled that relationship <laughs> for sure. Um, but you go through that and I feel like when I went through that, that kind of everything else in life wasn't hard. It wasn't hard to get up in the morning and go to workouts. It wasn't hard to get up out there on the football field and practice in in the hundred degree weather or whatever the case may have been. Everything became really easy because if I can sit here and watch my mom pass and die and literally fight for her life just to take a breath, I can getting up and going to practice. Yeah, going to weights. Man, this is yeah. I'm happy. So my energy went way up. I went, I, I, I took it to a whole different level. And that's that's kind of who I am now. That's why, that's why I smile, that's why I laugh so much. That's why you see me being this 
you know, loving, caring, joking person. But, you know, when, when it's time to be serious, I'm serious. But that, the fact that, you know, don't take life for granted. That's why I say I feel like I took my mom. I feel like I took life for granted before I lost her. So now, yeah, I smile. Yeah, I joke around a lot more, right? Because you ain't got but you ain't got but so many years on. You don't know when your time is. Lord forbid, it could be tonight for me. I don't know. You know, nobody yeah. knows. That's real talk. Live, live your life and live your life to the fullest, and make sure when you do it, you do it the right way. Period. You know, and and, and lift as you climb. Mm. That's 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 kind of a a deal for me because I'm, I'm I'm part of a fraternity, you know, Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated. That you know, and we we pride ourselves on lifting as we climb. You know, and, and any bro that's a thorough bro will understand what I'm saying when I say that. You know, and if you're gonna make it in, in this life, you don't somebody's gonna have to help you. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to uplift you. You know, yeah, you're gonna have to persevere through some things. All right, so. If if I if I'm making it and I'm climbing up this ladder, there's no way I'm gonna leave my brother down here. I'm gonna I'm gonna lend a hand. And I'm gonna lift him as I climb. So that's what I mean when I say that. So I, I learned a lot. I learned a lot um, by losing my mom, you know. And and it helped me to this day to get to this point right here. I leave LSU and I go to Mercer. I take another leap of faith. I I. I I'm making really good. I'm, I'm feeling good about the money on <laughs> issue, you know, and I take a leap of faith and I, I take an FCS job and take a huge pay cut um, at Mercer, you know, and, you know, I go into a situation that's not as great as some thought that I should have been going into leaving the LSU, but nobody went knocking on my door to give me a job, you know, on the field coaching, you know, so I'm like, well, Lord, did you presenting me this? Yeah, this is what you want me to do. We're gonna do it. So we 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 packed it up, took it to Macon, Georgia. And I knew what Macon, Georgia was about. I'm from America's Georgia, so I knew what Macon, <laughs> yeah. <was> about. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't too excited about the move, but I was really excited about getting my own room again, being able to mentor, um, kind of you know help these kids lead them in the right directions in life. And that's, that's the beauty about what I do. I love that. I love that part of it. That's, that's a beautiful thing for me. So I did that and we, you know, we had a, a below average season, um, but the situation was already bad before I got there. And when we had that below average season, everybody got fired. And this is when the real faith set in for me. That's when I had, I had to have my, my faith had to be strong because when I got fired, I had a two week old. My wife had just had Abigail and she was two weeks. Wow. And I'm, t- I'm calling her like, baby, I just got, she's got fired. <laughs> head coach just got fired. So when the head coach gets, you know how football and, and shoot, that's the, yeah. when the head coach gets fired, everybody's fired. Most yeah. of them, you know, unless you know who the next coach is coming in and you could probably interview for him and, you know, get back on. But that wasn't the case for me. I didn't know anybody that was getting hired. So when our head coach got fired, you know, we all got fired and we were job searching. Um, you know, it was a long process for me. It, it, roughly three months of not having a job. Luckily, we had great benefits and we had um, a package, a plan um, for, you know, when we got fired, they took care of us for three months. So blessing that I had three months to get a job. And on my last check, I'm like, I'm praying like, Lord, please. I mean, I don't, I have no clue. In my mind, I'm thinking like, well, look like I'm about to be a Walmart welcome. Hey, how you doing? Working at Walmart. Come on. <laughs> that grind. Yes, I was going to do it. I was going to do it. It didn't matter. I had to take care of my kids, you know, so something had to be done. It, it was going to be a job somewhere and some money coming in this household to feed my children and pay, pay these bills. So, you know, I was praying about that heavily um, and, Lo and behold, man, we got several interviews. We got several offers, and I was blessed enough to come to EKU with Coach Wells. Um, he gave me opportunity after, you know, I talked to him um, now. He told me, you know, before my interview, he had somebody else in mind that he was going to hire. But he's like, after the interview, he was like, I'm hiring that guy. You know, that, that, that's the one. And that's a blessing. And 
he told me he was gonna call me in like a week. He called me the next morning and offered me a job. So it was a it was a blessing to get that offer. And man, that was a weight lifted off my shoulder um, to come here and heck and not knowing anything about Kentucky because I interviewed at the coaching convention. You know, um, I think we was in where was here. I think it was in Nashville. Yep, it was in Nashville. The convention was, and I interviewed there, and you know, got the job, and had no clue what Eastern Kentucky University looked like. Had no clue what Richmond, Kentucky looked like. You know, I've been in Kentucky a few times. You know, I've, I've had a drive through Kentucky sometimes. You know, and that's about it. And so, which leads me to saying again, taking a leap of faith. You know, God, this is what you want. This is what you got for me. And here we go. We're going again. You know, we got some other offers, but they weren't as good as EKU. Um, so, you know, here we go. Let's go. And, you know, we, we took this leap of faith and we got here and then boom, COVID hit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, real quick. And it, it was kind of a, a deal while I was at work for a few months and then boom, we, we shut down. Like, okay. And you know, you got a first year staff, the entire staff is new, no spring ball, no, you know, summer, no real summer ball, no summer workouts, no, none of that type of stuff. Just all the Zoom meetings and you're trying to get to know your players and figure them out. And it was tough on me because I'm I'm more hands-on and getting like having my guys in my office and having one-on-one talks with them and and having them to understand who I am and see my family, be around, come to a, have a little barbecue at the house, you know, something like that. We, we couldn't do any of that. So it was, it was tough on the first year staff, no spring, no summer, right into fall camp, you know, getting ready for a season, you know, and unique and tough. And you go into the season and you, you're going through drills on a game week. And this is the first time these kids seen this drill because they have no clue. We haven't had the opportunity to go through these drills with them. You know, our first game was, you know, um, really like a screen, a, a, a spring scrimmage for us, you know, and we had no clue, I had no clue how these kids were going to play. You know, we we saw practice for about three weeks. So that's about it. And so it was unique, but it, it's a blessing. Uh, we, we've gotten to the point now where I'm, I'm a lot more comfortable with my, with my kids. Uh, they're a lot more comfortable with me. They trust me. I trust them. Um, uh, around about mid-season, we started getting better with that. And sitting here and, and having conversations with them about life, you know, sometimes is more, how can I say this? It's, it brings more out of them than you would ever think. Mm-hmm. It is hard. It's 6'4", 260 pound, you know, young man. He's not a grown man. Yeah, he think he's grown, but he really... <laughs> Mama's still paying the phone bill. That's right. Still paying this bill. Mama's still giving money. Auntie giving money. Cousin, you know, all that good stuff. So they think they grown, but they're not grown yet. You sit in here and you had that conversation with that kid and you you see them open up. You see them actually, you know, be honest and be real with you about life. You know, and and I try to teach them the facts of life. You know, being that, that guy that can tell them, look, I went through this before. I've been, I was sitting in that same seat, not exactly the same seat, but I've been on your side of it before. I've been a football player in college. I've been, you know, I had to go to study hall. I had to go to class and, you know, and it was, it was tough. And I had all the extracurricular activities going on outside of football. So how do you manage that? How, how do you, how do you manage that? That's, that's really easy. I'm telling you, it's really easy because that's not even life. You know, wait until football is over for you because it's going to happen. Whether you go and play 10 years in the NFL, football is going to end. Whether you play no snaps in the NFL, it's going to end. It's going to end somewhere. So I try to teach them to be ready for life outside of football, be ready for life in general, you know. Um, and, and if anybody knows anything about football, they, they, they really know defensive line is usually the, the, the toughest unit when it comes to off the field issues, you know? So if we are having issues off the field, you know, you really want to have somebody that can have some type of, you know, connection with them. You want to have somebody that can relate to what they're going through and what they're doing. And 
I'm able to do that. I'm able to relate. I'm able to go through those issues with them. I'm able, I'm able to grow with them. Because sometimes I want to go off on them now, like, man, that's stupid. You just we did. all do. <laughs> and I go to thinking, I'm like, hold on. What happened? What I have done that? I am maybe, maybe at this age of 20, maybe at the age of 19, I wasn't thinking straight. Okay, let's talk to him. Let's get him to learn. Okay, this is what you need to do versus this. And sometimes the, the, they don't understand that this world we live in is it's unforgiving. You know, you can do a, a million, you can do a million great things. You can be, you know, in the community, you know, going to read books to the kids. You can be, you know, cleaning up trash. You can be help build homes, uh, whatever, it, whatever the case may be. You can be doing great things. You can do one bad thing. One. That's what people are going to remember you by. Yep. And I try to teach them to think about that. This, this word is unforgiving. Nobody cares. They don't. But I know one person who does, or I know one God does. Come on. And, and, and if you put your faith, you put your, all your beliefs in God and his son, Jesus, then a lot of things that you ask for, a lot of things you want in life, you will get them. Um, me and my wife, we're doing a fast right now. So from seven to seven, we're not eating. You know, we're, we're fasting. And, and when we get weary, you know, we, we can drink water, of course. But when we get weary, we pray. You know, we're praying for increase. We're praying for, for wellness, for health. Uh, we're, we're praying for our family, um, for, for their wellness, their health, their increase, everything. Um, me and my wife, we decided to do it. And, you know, we're going to do it for a couple of weeks. And um, we're on day three right now. So forgive me if I'm not as energetic as, as usual, but... <laughs> As no, and for those, who, yeah, for those <laughs> listeners who have definitely, um, you know, handled with fasting and praying and put that in a part of their practice, you know, most people think fasting is just a diet. It's not. No. Um, no. But the, the other portions of those, as you begin that, because it does take a minute for your body to get adjusted, it definitely does play on that energy level, but it does allow us to do the very things that you just mentioned to seek God to pray more because of that we place ourselves in a position where not just with food, but so many different facets, we draw so much attention to those things and we remove those things. You are able to truly have that one-on-one or two-on-one fellowship with God so he can answer some things that we may miss because of the chaos and the, you know, distractions going on in our normal lives. Right. right. And, and for us, we want to have that intimate relationship with them. Yeah. That relationship where we, we can hear your voice Mm-hmm. Jeez. over all the, the negative stuff that you know yeah. tries to creep into your mind so I want that voice to be loud over, yeah. overcrowd everything else that's in my mind um, that's in my heart that's in my soul I want I want God there period so that's that's why we're doing this fast and that's why we that's why we are praying um when we do we get weary um, of course I, I'm I'm an eater I like this <laughs> So, you know, so if it, it, it's, it's tough. It's tough, yeah. but it's supposed to be. I think, you know, it's, it's like you, you said it well. You know, you what you just said was, you know, you have to do certain things during a fast. It's, it's not a diet. Mm-hmm. You know, you're fasting um, for the Lord here. Yeah. You know, so in, in my fast, you know, somebody else's fast. Yeah, might. I don't know. I can't speak for them, but <laughs> yeah. right. as for me and my fast, as for me and my house. <laughs> right. So you said something that was so perfect. And I tell people this all the time. I, I, I'm i a huge, just a oh, music connoisseur. I love music of all different types. Mm-hmm. And I tell people all the time that I think we grew up in a space right on the cusp where we still know tradition. We know the oldies, right? Like we know that that true music. And I tell people, when Gladys Knight comes on, no one says, when Shaka comes on, no one says, wait, hold on, Shaka, listen, who is that? When Shaka comes on, no one's saying that. And definitely when Patty comes on, no one's saying that. In this day and age, when these young R&B singers come on, every song sounds the same. Every singer sounds the same. You're like, oh, she sounds like such and such. 
And just as you said, I want to have such an intimate relationship with God that I know his voice for myself. And that's what I thought about. I want to know that when he's talking to me in the midst of any noise, distraction or what's going on, I know his voice. I know his instruction in amidst everything that's going on. I know when he's saying, "Mm -mm, that's not what you need to do. No, hear me, hear me, no. And when we can get to that place, the only way we get to that place is when we move the distractions away. So I commend you and I'll be praying with you and your wife, you know, throughout this fast and time of praying. We appreciate that. We we do need it for sure. Sure. Absolutely. You know, I think we all need prayer. Come on. I tell people that all the time, look, you you don't have to know a reason. Pray for me all the time. I don't care if I can't tell you something to pray. Pray anyway. You know why? Because I can I can never get enough of it. We can we can go in storage with it. I don't care. Let me have it because I'd rather we pray proactively than reactively. And that that is what I tell people all the time. I call it praying without a petition. I want to pray and have a relationship with God so much so that I don't have to say, oh, Lord, something wrong. Now, what do I need to say? No, I want to be there in his presence around him in a relationship, as you said, an intimate relationship with him. So when those trials do come, we've already been talking. I know he knows. He don't know even if I don't come to him, but we've already been discussing this thing and he's went ahead of me. He sent his angels before me to go ahead and fight that battle. And that's what God wants. He wants you to have an intimate relationship with him. Yeah. He wants you to cry out to him without even having anything to cry out to him about. Yeah. You should be serving your God the same with the same energy, the same enthusiasm, whether it's good or bad time yeah. for you. You know, so that's I'm a firm believer in that. So I'm 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 one of those people that I'm I'm gonna get up in the morning, I'm gonna pray. Mm-hmm. I'm get up in the morning, I'm gonna get in my word and, and I'm gonna go about my day. There's going to be moments where I'm just sinning and I'm just praying. Yep. And moments where I'm, you know, I'm talking, you know, people might say, who are you talking to? I'm talking to God, right? <laughs> right. Praise Can you God. get out of our business? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, my mom was like that too, you know, and I used to ask her when I was a kid, like, mom, who are you talking to in the shower? <laughs> yep. Look, she sound like she me. Like, she was like, babe, I'm talking to God. I'm like. That's it. Hey. <laughs> that, look, I tell people all the time, and I've said this on a couple of shows here, that is when he talks to me. Because, and, and at first I'd be like, what, Lord? But of course, I'm by myself. There's no distraction. It is just me and him. And it's like, I get my best thoughts. I hear him. Clarity, peace comes right there in the shower. And mm-hmm. same as you. I remember my grandmother, mother, they'd be talking and say, who are y'all talking to? Right. No, I'm all right. I'm just talking to the Lord. I remember mm-hmm. that. And mm-hmm. and that that right there laid the foundation for you and I. Yep. That right there, us watching them, you know, starting out, okay, well, I'm, I hear them praying to this man named God. I hear, I hear that. All right, I hear them saying that he can do and be, but isn't it something when they laid that foundation and we watched and we started to do and learn for ourselves? Come on now. <laughs> yeah. Now that's, that's, I am so thankful. I tell people all the time, you know, I'm thankful for so many things that my grandparents and my mom gave to me, but that was the biggest portion is recognizing they were saying, now right. you have to learn them for yourself. You got to know them for yourself. And when you right. do, when you build that and recognizing that it's not a and stop point it is not it is a never ending journey you don't right. ever right. stop seeking him it's just like growth if we don't grow we digress that's like the athletes that we coach if you stop practicing right now you digress if you're right. not getting better you get worse and so the same thing with building your relationship with christ it's not something like all right i got all i read the whole bible front and back and i'm good now no mm-hmm. it is a daily moment effort Mm-hmm. to continuously grow in him. I'd like that song say, I've been running for Jesus a long time. I ain't tired yet. I'm going to keep on running. <laughs> Get it? Right. One, I ain't getting one, tired. One, one thing, how you, if, if you look at it this way, as, as being a coach, if you stop coaching your, your players with the energy and the enthusiasm that you coach your players with, are you getting any better? Are the players getting any better? No. Right. Mm-hmm. You feel like you don't, you have arrived. Oh, I'm good. I'm a head coach. I'm I'm good. I ain't really got to do nothing right. No, you got to continue. I mean, we could talk about so many athletes and so many coaches that, that continuously have that drive to be great. I mean, you talk about Tom Brady, just now winning the Super Bowl with Tampa Bay. Right. You know, you come at 43 
was he, I think, 43, and winning a Super Bowl with a whole other team that had nobody but one player that you got there from your previous team. Correct. That came out of retirement, you know. So, and his retirement was probably a lot of different things that <laughs> didn't lead to football <laughs> skills. So, um, to have that desire to, to that hunger to, to, to want to, to be closer and have an intimate relationship with the Lord. It's the same type of desire that we got for our sport, mm-hmm. which is um, that we want our players to have. You know, everybody, everybody has this, this player that's a low burn player. When I mean by low burn, they just don't have that enthusiasm, that passion. Yes. Great. But they yes. got all the skills in the world. They got all the size in the world. They got everything. Like, man, you got it. If you just, you know, put forth more effort. Yep. That's that's that overbearing voice I want in my head. I want to put forth the effort to being having an intimate relationship with my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So I can make the right steps in life. He he's he's gonna lead me in the right right direction so I can lead my family. You know, and that's my that's my most important thing. Um, um is making sure that I'm being led by the right one so I can lead my family in the right direction with me leading my family in the right directions that's going to help me lead my young man in my room anywhere I'm at you know um, making sure that they're motivated they understand the facts of life they understand okay yeah man if if I'm not that voice in your head let the Lord be that voice in your head like we we live in this world and we think we got all these years to live when it comes down to it, you got an average lifespan of about 60 years. That's that's not a lot of time. And I try to get these kids to understand, like, look, <laughs> this you got one life to live. And it ain't yeah. that long. I promise yeah. you, it ain't that long. You know, it's not as long as you think it think it is. And a lot of them got homeboys that got, you know, shot, killed some type of way, and, and some type of gun play, and and it's all you know, could be some bad stuff. It could be just, you know, being in the wrong place at the wrong time. But, but it doesn't matter because that goes back to the fact that nobody knows when their time is. Yeah. You know, I see all these stories about, you know, people being in their home and, and drive-by shootings and stuff happening. And, you know, the scene where a one-year-old got shot and killed. Um, and it's, you know, it's disturbing, but that's the world we live in. Mm-hmm. And, and, and how do you understand you- that? When you mention those things, sorry to, to cut that. Oh, you good. Something that's so important there. When you mention, and I love, because there's so much energy in you. Like, I know why not right now to our listeners, but there's so much energy in you for your young men. Right. And you mentioned so many things, just even those examples, those few examples you just gave. How do you encourage them to be better and want to have better when all they see around them are those things you just mentioned. How do you encourage them to want to be better and see better? That goes back to me being able to relate. Yeah. I mean, I came up, I I came up in a place where it was called Weech Trailer Park. We had a a single wide trailer um, with seven people in the house. And it was a three bedroom single wide trailer. And as you can imagine, a single wide trailer with three bedrooms, you know it's very small rooms. So we're sharing rooms, we're sharing beds, people on the couches. We didn't have a lot. You know, we, we didn't have, um, sometimes we didn't have food in there. We got to figure it out, you know. So growing up like that, it kind of gave me my hunger and my desire to get out and, like, not even look back because I want to make sure that I'm successful. And... You know, unfortunately, uh, we get a lot of kids that are, you know, inner city kids that that don't have a lot, don't even have a father figure. Um, I was blessed enough to have both my parents um, growing up, so I'm able to kind of tell them things that they should know and they, you know, they should be getting from their father, but they don't. So when I say mentor, I'm, re- I'm, 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 I'm digging in that. I'm on one. I'm on one. I'm to dig in their soul. Yeah. Because I had that with my father. A lot of these guys don't have fathers. Some of them do have fathers that, you know, maybe not be as good of a father as they need to be or whatever. It, maybe they had some transgressions that they went through in life that they are being held back from because, you know, what they went through in life. So I, I motivate them by being able to relate. 
I, I keep them motivated by being able to be a shoulder for them, be an ear for them, come vent to me, come talk to me. I leave my, my I, I got an open door policy. Like come in, they can just come in and have a regular conversation. We'd be talking about, you know, literally nothing for real, but had that conversation that leads to a lot of different, you know, bigger conversations that they, they can, you know, have a conversation, a side conversation about anything with me. Uh, we can be at the workout, you know, guys will leave out and I'm still kind of sticking around because I like to talk to everybody, chit chat with everybody to kind of, you know, do, do my due diligence to get to know my guys. And then you get one that sticks around and, and you kind of see something on their face, like, you know, you see something on their heart, like what's going on with you? You know, you kind of tell something ain't been wrong with that kid all day, you know, but you ask them and they kind of like, yeah, I'm good coach. I'm good coach. And then until they finally get to that point where they really want to talk to you and they tell you what's really going on. And I'm able to, you know, be a mentor to them and, and motivate them to, to go through that in life, but understand that you got to grow through it in life. Um, and I don't know if you got that, but you, you're going to go through it mm-hmm. as life, but you got to grow through it. You got to learn, you got to live and you got to learn. And that's the facts of life. In order for you to go through something, you have to grow through it. So I went through losing my mom. I went through hardships of growing up, not having anything, you know, um, when, when it comes to financially or having anything, I had a lot of love. <laughs> It was a bunch of big, big family, a lot of love. We had that. And I had God. We stayed in the church. You know, even even if sometimes the clothes were too small for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Stayed in the church, though. Um, And going through that and being able to relate to a lot of these kids um, and be able to tell them my story. um, Look, man, you ain't going through this by yourself. I went through some of the same things. I just had one of my um one of my guys, one of my defensive linemen loses his close uncle. It's kind of, to him, it's kind of like his granddad helped raise him. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, he lost him and we, we sent him home and he's able to bury his uncle and, and, and be around family and love up on them. And I told him my story about me losing my mom, my sophomore year in college. He's now a sophomore and he's, he just turned 21. So it's one of them deals where I can relate I know your pain. I know you. I, I know you're upset. You know we sit down and pray together. Look, man, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do everything I can do to get you home. You know, NCAA. You know, gave him a hardship deal so he can, you know, get a ticket to fly there and back. I gave him a round trip. They paid for all the parking at the airport and everything. So everything got paid for. And I went through the same as that thing. Um, lost my mom and called the coaches. Like, man, I, I don't know what to do. I mean, I. I'm not up to come back right now. They were like, look, take every bit of time you need. That's your mom. I get it. You know, the same thing I told him, take every bit of time that you need and go through what you need to go through and grow through it and be with your family. So being able to relate, relate to them and, and motivate them that type of way is, it's a beautiful thing for me. And hopefully it's, it's kind of been shown that it's good for them too. Cause I think, you know, they kind of, you know, they're kind of attracted to me, you know, you get other positions coming in and want to talk and have conversations. And yeah. That's that magnet. Right. <laughs> right. So that's a blessing. That's a blessing. I'm able to bless, bless them with, you know, um, my, my testimony and, and what I went through in my life. And I'm so glad that you're doing it because transparency is important in leadership. You know, a large part of the trust in those young men and young women that we lead them growing. My mom used to always say, you know, y'all from Missouri, yeah, you know, the show me state, you got to be shown. And so are the people that we lead, you know, if they don't think that we can relate, if they don't believe, you know, my students, I actually coach in the same school where I played. And a lot of the students, when they first meet me, it's like, you just see me at face value. I said, but you don't understand. And so little by little, I allow them to recognize what I've gone through, much like what you said. And what you find is exactly what you said. They begin to trust you more. They begin to share things with you. They begin to then say, okay, you know, well, coach could do it. I can do it too. And you start to see that change. And so that's why in leadership, we have to make sure, not saying go and divulge everything, but transparency is important. 
because they have to understand the story, not just the glory moments. They have to understand right. the story of how we got there. You right. know, like I saw say how I got over. They have to know that because then they mm -hmm. understand that it's possible. And not only is it possible, to whom made it possible for us. Right. That's awesome, Coach. <laughs> That's golden. You know, Coach, this is the Servant Leader Podcast, of course. And, you know, everything that you do just beams servant leadership. And I tell people I'm on a mission to create the longest, but the most uh, credible definition of what servant leadership is. A lot of people use it as a tagline. A lot of people like to put it as a hashtag, and that's great. But what you notice is that you all coaches that God has led me to are truly walking in this. So to Coach Hawkins, what is servant leadership to you? Servant leadership to me, truly, 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 truly allowing yourself to be open. Mm. And like you just said, transparent to younger generation. And that could be, you know, as a coach, for me, it's, of course, it's my defense lineman. Um, but like I said earlier, it's, you know, other positions that come in here and just have a kind of a true open conversation about life. A leader has to be led mm. be a leader, if that makes sense to you. Yes. I, I, I want to be led by the right one. That's God. Come on. And if I'm led by him, I know nowhere near am I perfect. Never will be. Do I have some blow-ups here and there? Yes, I'm a football coach and it happens sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah. But if I'm if I'm if I got the right foundation, you know, and my foundation is solid, I make sure I build my house up real solid, have a good roof on it, really no, no leaks in it. I got a solid brick house. That's God. I'm able to help these young men build their foundations and hopefully. Their foundation is strong enough so in life they can build their house up and they can have their roofs and they won't leak. So being a servant leader is all about being able to be led by God. And if you're led by God, you can also lead in your family, with your friends, with your associates, with your unit that you're coaching, with your group that you're coaching, with your position that you're coaching, with, in your sport. And I want so much more than that. I want I, I, I want the world to see. I want the world to hear my story and, and to know that, okay, he is a servant leader. I can't with you. That is awesome. You know, a lot of them tend to have some of the same tidbits, but I, they always find the separation. And that separation mm -hmm. is exactly what you said, that foundation but the other portion is I want to be led by God, not anything else. I'm not doing this by myself. I'm not doing this by what I believe my vision is. I want to be led by God. So when I'm led by God, I know I'm being led correctly. And then that way I know I'm leading the people that's following me correctly. Because not mm -hmm. only when they watch me and they follow me for success, when they follow me, they're going to see him. That's it. That's it. And hopefully if they see him, and they, they got the foundation. Now it's gonna be some transgressions. It's gonna be some things that they're not gonna do right. And it's gonna be some ups and some downs and some hurdles and some whatever. It, but you got God. Yeah. You, come on now, you got God. <laughs> I mean, you can go through anything and everything and you got God on your side and you got everything you need. So oh. if, give them that foundation. They can build that house up and they can go with it. And hopefully, they, if they take one thing from me, and it's that one thing I want, I would want it to be is that man. He, he, real good person, but man, he had God. Period. Because when it comes down to it, that's what it's all about. And I, I, I truly try to teach my guys that man. It's we live in this world as scary for my kids. I got two baby girls. Scary mm -hmm. for my kids. You know, you know, and, and you sit and think about the things that they they're gonna have to go through. Yeah. In 15, 20 years from now, I don't want them to go through some of those things that I went through and that some of our ancestors went through. That I don't want them to go through any of that. Mm -hmm. They made things better, um, so they don't have to go through that type of stuff. 
And I know, you know, some people, you know, might not see it as, oh yeah, you, you pray. And I'm like, I'm truly a firm believer in prayer. Yeah. You no, know, pray with, you know, praying without any work now. I mean, it ain't no, do no come work. on. So you come can sit and, and, and pray and not put the work in to change things. It does no good. But if you pray, you got your faith, you got God, and then you put the work in to make change. That's the type of prayer I'm talking about. And somebody, well, Lord, we're going to pray and we're going to just leave it in your and it's fine. But leave it in your hands, but lead me, Lord. Let your will be done. Yeah. Right? Your will, not mine, because I don't I don't have a clue what's going on, Lord. You got it. You got me. All right. So that's that's kind of where I'm at with it. And I want I want to put that in my kids, make sure they understand that in life in general. And I highly, highly believe, and I know for a fact that between you and definitely your wife, that you all understand. And stick that in them, and it's the blessing, right? It is the blessing that transfers down from your mother, rest her sweet soul. That right. you know, you can remember walking as a young boy, watching her and listening to her talk, and she said, "Oh, baby, I'm just praying." And right. now those very same things, I'm sure they watch you and mommy yeah. and say, "Daddy, what you saying?" Right? Mm-hmm. And if not, they will be saying that because it is a cycle. It is the continuous value cycle. That when we get it, we got to give it. Right. We can't hold on to these teachings. And that is how I tell people all the time, you know, the village mindset, it, it is watering down. The tradition is watering down because we're not giving this next generation what we have been given. Right. They need it. They need it. Badly. Yeah. Badly. That's why platforms like this, I'm so thankful to God for, because a lot of people from the outside looking in, they will just say, oh, well, she's about to talk X's and O's with Coach Hawkins. And then it's like, wait a minute. They didn't talk a tap of football. This man went through some things. And then wait, did he say God? God was it? And those things right there, that flip of the switch is how God shines through. So I'm just so thankful for you, for you Coach, because leadership is not easy as Coach Jada Williams and even Coach LaBelle Moten has said on here on this platform, it is lonely. <laughs> it is difficult, no right? But we are right. a chosen people. This is a purposed position. You know, mm-hmm. it's the pulpit in sports where we get to show who God is through us. We get to let right. his light shine through us, not for our glory, but for him and for people to be able to see him through what we do. So I'm thankful for you because I know that in the midst of just this inconsistent world and season that you're going through, that you took the time just to be open and transparent tonight because somebody needed to hear this. Somebody needed I hope to hear I hope I reach somebody. If I just reach one, then it, that's, that's good enough. That's a win. It is. You know, Jesus left the 99 for the one. There you go. Come on. So and speaking I, of that, I, Coach. And I'm thankful for you, too. I'm really oh, thank you, Coach. for reaching out and and allow me to come on and share my story and share my testimony. And hopefully, like you said, it can, it can reach someone, you know, so. That's the blessing. And because I know for a fact that you're definitely watch and follow and as these young men and women and coaches that are just looking for people to just have some positivity down their timeline. Can you let them know where to follow you on social media just to kind of stay in contact and reach with this amazing word we got today? Right. And, I, and I'm, uh, you know, a big, big, you know, guy on Twitter, I guess you could say. I'm, yeah. I'm huge <laughs> on Twitter. So it's simple for me. It's just Coach J. Hawkins. Letter J. Hawkins. That's it. Just that simple. Coach J. Hawkins. That's Coach J. Hawkins. You follow me on Twitter. You can usually get me and reach me at any time. I'm, I'm not really that active on Facebook. I'm not really that active on Instagram. That's usually like for family and friends for yeah. me. But, but Twitter is, you know, more of the business side, more of um, work, more of just, you know, understanding who I am as a football coach and as a person, you know. That's awesome, Coach. I really want to appreciate you. You are not part of the servant leader family. I appreciate that. Anything, part of the know, I'm <laughs> telling you, and as this family, I that is probably my favorite line to say at the end of every call because this family keeps growing and it is just full of these amazing and successful people. But the biggest portion I'm thankful to God for is that 
positions. Y'all know who positioned you there and what a family to be a part of. Amen. Amen. Coach, before we go, if you could just bow your head. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you again for just another chance to get it right. Thank you for showing up, Lord God, because we know great things happen when you show up. Healing takes place when you show up, Lord God. Deliverance takes place when you show up, Lord God. And when you show up, Lord God, we're able to have a leader to give us the playbook for leadership, Lord God. We ask that you just strengthen us, Lord God, so that we may be able to lead our athletes and be able to lead our coaches and those that follow us, Lord God. As a special prayer right now for Coach Hawkins and his wife and his family, Lord God, and even those young, young men that he leads, Lord God, give him the strength, Lord God, give him the understanding and the knowledge and the wisdom to be able to lead your people the way that you would have them to go, Lord God. Ask right now, Lord God, just an increase that they pray for. I'm standing in the in agreement with them, Lord God, for that. Whatever their need, whatever the point of need, Lord God, you know what it is. So touch them and bless them, Lord God. I pray for the servant leader coaches Bible study, Lord God, so that it can continue to reach, even if one, Lord God. And most of all, we ask that you just allow us to continue to be lights so that those that may not know you can find you. And your son Jesus' will, name will always pray. Amen. 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 Coach, thank you so much, man. I thank appreciate you. you. If I can ever do anything, you got my contact. All you got to do is reach out. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me on. Beautiful, beautiful thing you got going on here. I appreciate you. Thank you, coach.